Hello, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a food service industry podcast by Nation's Restaurant News and Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, senior food and beverage editor Brett Thorne, back in my Brooklyn, New York apartment after having been traveling a lot in recent weeks. I think it's possible that I am going to be in this city for the remainder of the year, but that's only another six weeks, so we're hunkering down and making our predictions for next year. So if any of you have thoughts on food and beverage trends, either that you are seeing next year, or even that maybe you'd hope to see next year, drop me a line, let me know. You can reach me at brett.forn at informa.com. Most recently, I was in the San Francisco Bay Area. I Uh, spent the weekend with friends in San Francisco itself, and before that I was in Napa at the Culinary Institute of America's Worlds of Flavor Conference. That's always a a fun affair with a bunch of cooking demonstrations and, and such like, and a lot of food to taste from a bunch of sponsors. Uh, and a lot of chefs from all over the country. Uh, The theme this year was authenticity, flavor, and the future, which was kind of an interesting uh, name for the theme since really the crux of the program was that authenticity is a weird and nebulous term that maybe we shouldn't use that much because is there really anything that isn't authentic. I mean, everything comes from someplace, and every chef's experience is varied and informs them about the dishes that they prepare. So as long as they are being uh, true to themselves, as one of the speakers, Enrique Overa, said, then it's authentic. Just because something doesn't come directly without any modification from the way something was prepared on a different part of the planet uh, two generations ago doesn't mean it's not authentic because cuisines are naturally evolving and organic things and they change and that's part of the beauty of eating and drinking and communing with people you learn from each other, you learn from different cultures, and that uh, enhances your your repertoire, your inspiration, and makes the world a better and tastier place, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there are some restaurants that try to focus more on traditional dishes than others, and uh, my guest this week is Paramjit Bombra of Gulabo Restaurant, which recently opened here in New York City, and it focuses specifically uh, on the cuisine of the Indian state of Punjab in the northwest of the country. Uh, Punjab is traditionally a hunting culture, and some of that food and those customs are reflected in the cuisine at Gulabo. And I hope you enjoy hearing from Paramji Bombra as much as I did because here he is. Uh, 
Uh, so we might as well just get started talking about your restaurant, Gulabo, yes. in the New York City. Uh, actually, first, Param, tell me about you and your background. Okay, cool. So I'm Chef Paramjeet. I have done my hotel management back in 2007, I passed out from college, uh-huh. from Pune University. Uh, from Pune University in India, right? Yeah, it's in Indian Maharashtra. And then I slowly gradually learning the culinary arts. I've been specialized in Punjabi cuisine, Kashmiri cuisine. And I, I know the entire country because since my dad was in army actually. So I used to travel with him on different states whenever he used to get posted. So culturally, if I see, I have seen different cuisines in my entire life. I've eaten different places because of my dad's profession. Then later, I've, I've been traveling since I've uh, done my college, I used to do a projects in different cities, different states with different people. So by 2015, I realized that I think I have done enough. So let me do start doing competitions now. So then I went to a South Indian, Indian Federation of Culinary. I've been to an Indian, uh, North Indian Federation of Culinary competitions. And I've got gold medal, two gold medals, one silver and one bronze medal for the uh, buffet presentation, uh, Kashmiri cuisine, Punjabi cuisine, and other stuffs. Then by 2018, I came to America. I got this opportunity. Chef Sujin Sarkar has sponsored me to join him as a sous chef to take care of this restaurant called Bar Bar at uh, Manhattan. By post-COVID and pre-COVID, we had some challenges. And when I came in America, I had many challenges to face new culture, new client, new variety of cuisine, uh, new ingredients. But yes, I have learned many things in America. Then <clears throat> company thought, um, let's do a new restaurant. Since they saw me that I'm very much into a classical cuisine of India, then we had many concepts doing a different states altogether, or maybe entire Indian cuisine. But my owners end up with doing a Punjabi cuisine since I belong to that place. And then we thought, let's do a, a very classical cuisine since everybody is doing into modern Indian, modern cuisine of anything. Then uh, my bosses, Rajiv and Payal and Chef Sujan, we all sit down at one uh, once upon a time and they, they told me like, okay, let's do something very classical this time. Let's bring out the all street food, all, all highway foods, all uh, family recipes of mine. Since uh, my mom is a very good cook, my grandma was a good cook. And they have, we have some family recipes from three generations. So I think I'm the only one who can claim claim all those recipes as a chef. Rest, all my siblings are into some other field. So you, why, why did you decide to become a chef in the first place? Okay, so when uh, my dad was in army actually, so I always wanted to join army. But since my mom started telling me, no, you have to be a chef. Because we, I'm a very good cook. I love cooking. I want to see my son should uh, see him as a cooking. So then I, I I thought, okay, let me get into a college. For a very first year, it was a very challenging thing for me to start cooking. And I was not into this thing. But I believe slowly, gradually, by second year, I got a passion of cooking. Was My, my very first training was into a butchery. Okay, And I started cutting meats, chickens, and everything. And then I thought, yeah, this is an interesting job, I believe. I, I can do that. So that makes me into a chef, yeah. So... 
let me make sure I understand you. Your father was in the army. I mean, and Indian army. I would like to be in the army. Yeah. And then I'm sensing that your mother maybe thought being in the army might be dangerous and you'd be better yeah. off. Yeah, that's, that, that was the right thing, actually. Yes. So you, but you still get to handle weapons. They were yeah. just knives. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Still, I'm a soldier, I believe. Yes, you are. Yes. And, uh, and you're much less likely to get killed. You always, you always defeat the animals that you are butchering. You yes, win. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, and you're from Punjab, right? Yes, I'm from Punjab. Yes. I'm and, and so you started studying the cuisine of northern India and then southern yes. India. Yes, that's true. And there's so much variety in yes. India. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. now at Gulabo, you have your uh, family's traditional recipes, it sounds yes, like. That's true. So what are uh, some of the dishes that uh, you really like at Gulabo? Okay. So one thing is Amritsari kulcha. So it's a flat stuff bread with green peas, potatoes, beetroots, and onions. So if you see, there are other restaurants also doing the same style of kulcha, but they're into a modern Indian. Maybe few people are making floppy, few making a small. But what I have done is a very special thing. So back in India, if you go the kulcha, the, the Indian food altogether, if you talk about the Punjabi cuisine, it's it's a wholesome meal for anything. Whatever you order, it doesn't come in a very small portion. <laughs> That's what I also wanted to do. Let's try something which is very classical, value for money, good food. So I made a kulcha which is like this big. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's I had huge. to take a picture of it. Yeah, it comes on the yeah. table. On the table and everybody enjoyed it. Everybody liked it. Then uh, that is one of the things. Then we have this family recipe called a goat curry. Okay. But in Punjabi, we call grandmother as a baby. Okay. So we used to call it, okay, baby the chicken, baby uh, the goat curry. So yeah. I that I named that on my name. It's called now Param Singh the Meat. Okay, so uh -huh. Param is my name, and Singh is my middle name. It say it's it's a slang in Punjabi. It says that okay, this this meat is belongs to a particular chef or particular man. So that's on my name. The goat curry is cooked along with brown onions, yogurt, and some home uh, made spices, and it has a lot of cilantro in it, a drier form and the fresh form as well. So that is the second thing. Then we have a dessert called Firni. It's also a, my grandmother's recipe. So Firni, when my grandmother used to make a Firni, then on a second generation, my mom started adding a, a, a small balls, a milk balls in it. That is called a chena. Okay, it is actually a cottage cheese ball soaked in the sugar syrup. So we mixed, they mixed all together. Now that recipe I'm following in the restaurant with an ice cream on top. So it's little then, cottage cheese balls cooked in syrup. Yeah, it's a cottage cheese ball soaked in a sugar syrup, then cooked along with uh, rice pudding, served with bundi and uh, ice cream on top, a saffron malai ice cream. That sounds great. In fact, I probably had it when I ate it. Yeah, you had it. I, I'm sure I gave you on the table. And I saw that you liked it very much. Yes. Yeah, it was great. And so uh, the, is this the first restaurant where you are the executive chef? So if you say as an executive chef, yes, this is the first day in America. Before that, I was a shoe chef. Then I promoted as a chef de cuisine at Barber. But before that, if you see back in India, my last project was Taj Andaman Nikobar. I was a head chef in Turtle House Kitchen. It's a beach restaurant. And before that, I was an acting head chef at Wharf Kitchen at Radisson uh, Chennai Temple Bay. 
there we got a Times Guide Award for two years, the best seafood restaurant in the town. Great. Yeah. I've done many cuisines. I've done the international cuisines as well. But since when we uh, when back in India, when we were there in, in India, so nobody considered Indian cuisine as very lavish. So in West, people used to take all the Western cuisine and start talking about it, start making a new cuisine out of that. But when you travel towards the South, so now the Western culture, now they wanted a classical Indian cuisine. So it's a vice versa in between two, two states and two worlds. I so see. So I'm doing a classical now. So in India, they like to bring in influences from all over the world. Yes, that's true. Which, and that's really what makes India, India anyway. Yeah. Isn't it? It's always had many people come in and they get sort of absorbed and stirred into the whole culture. Yeah. So if I, if I talk about India, I'll tell you. So it's 24 states from the north to south to east to west. If you 28 states, they have a 28 different people living, 28 different culture, 28 different religion. 28 different kind of a gods. We have many gods, but if if you can consider 28 different state with 28 different cuisines. And, and I have I, traveled each state and worked. And I'm sure even within each state, there is variety from, say, I don't know, Northern Kerala to Southern Kerala. Or yes, whatever. that's right. That's right. Each, each, each state has their different regions and different, even the languages. Right. Yes. Clangs are different, always. So when, when you travel in India, how yeah. do people from different states normally communicate? Do they speak Hindi or English? or? How so the it... national language is always a Hindi. But India is the largest uh, country who speaks English from, a, from every angle, from right. everywhere. Then we have a local languages. Like I speak four languages. So the, the most common tongue is always English and Hindi. And since you live in India for a very long time, you understand sometimes what other people are saying in different languages. So you can start communicating slowly. Yeah, and so all. you speak English, Hindi, Punjabi, and what else? And I speak Maharashtrian a little bit. I understand Gujarati. I understand Kannada and Tamil. And yeah. Kannada is what they speak in Karnataka, right? Karnataka, yes, that's right. And Tamil is in Chennai. Chennai is a state in Tamil Nadu. Right. So Tamil is from the Tamil Nadu. Yes, in the deep yeah. south. I went, yeah, I went to a wedding in Bangalore. Yeah, I live in Bangalore now. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the groom was an Anglo-Icelandic Canadian. Okay. And the bride was a Tamil. She was an Iyer, a high Iyer, caste. Yes, I mean, high, higher caste in Hinduism. Right, exactly. So... And I was there for breakfast, and obviously it was being served on all the banana leaves. Yes. And I asked the guy next to me, what is this? And he said, I don't know. I'm from Calcutta. So, you know, completely. It was yeah, as cool so to him even as it though, was. Even though if, if people are from India, they get confused in different states. The right. one who's not traveled enough, but like you and me or other people who have traveled enough, they understand everything, how the cuisine works. So I think that is the most interesting part in Indian cuisine, if you talk about there are a lot many things to experiment and learn. Oh, and that, that is the only thing which makes me always motivated toward the cuisine. So I never get bored on this. That, there's always something new. Yeah. And uh, so how old is Gulabo now? It's not that old, right? It's, it's, I believe now it's three and a half months now. Yeah. So pretty yeah. new. Pretty new, uh, yes. Uh, have you learned very much about what your customers' tastes are during that time? Are there things yeah. you had to adjust? So, or yes, out? but since uh, I was working with Barbara, I understood very well how New York City works. Sure. 
and when we started this we always had this concept uh, now we are taking we were taking a very big risk to bring out the very regional cuisine from india to increase the portion size uh, from uh, a, a very modern indian restaurant to a very classical restaurant where people go and see it also hurts the apc of the restaurant at the same time so we planned everything um for example if two people are sitting and they end up with two ordering only two dishes and they fill up their stomach so the restaurant makes less money true so we had this idea to how to bring more bigger tables in a restaurant where you want to serve you have to give a training first of all what kind of cuisine and what is the regional cuisine what we are trying to serve with a bigger and a larger portion and at the same time the restaurant should make a better money right so that's how the entire menu engineering done with chef sujan and me in between um, so creating from a bread to a main course to a small appetizer we thought let's create that way where people can start with the golden appetizer which is into a smaller portion then they can stop by a breads which is a little bit a larger portion which comes along with the curry and and they can jump on the kebabs so by the time the guest jumps on the kebab we already make about 40 to 50 dollars apc in a restaurant so that was the actual idea to at least give them a three courses and if they have tummy or so there's left over they can uh, jump on the main course and the desserts i see so i think i think by the third course we already make enough money uh for the restaurant i see so you start with sort of smaller appetizers yeah, to get them interested and bread yeah. and then the yeah. presentation of the kulchi is so the bread is so dramatic yeah. that they're getting excited yeah. about that they take a picture so, they post it on social yeah. media and, and I then that, yeah they get the large portion main and i think that interesting part of the giving them a bigger kulcha suddenly after the cold appetizer that makes them more curious what is coming next so let's try more how it looks like let's take more pictures so that is the entire idea behind this restaurant to sort of ease them in and then yeah, ease them in and and then envelop them with wonderful aromatic punjab yes. food yeah punjabi food so as i understand it punjab is a, a hunting culture so there yes, is a, a hunting culture yes game meat and stuff so how how would you describe punjabi so, uh, uh, back in the back in the days if you, if i talk about before uh, 90s or in the uh, year of 18s all the all the farmers used to carry the weapons okay and uh, at that era we been ruled by british so the culture was developed that way the people has started to learn hunting culture from the different community and they started doing the same thing so they used to go to the farm to protect the farms they used to hunt quail rabbits and the other game meats but since now uh, only rabbits and quail is available and we are not allowed to kill any animal so that culture has almost vanished from the india oh. but that that was there in that one once upon a time that that era that's why i bring out that uh, hunting culture in our menu so we serve our rabbit meat and a fried uh, quail and those are things that you can still hunt in punjab yeah we still hunting in the punjab and and so what what are these those dishes like how do you prepare them so there are many ways we can do that either if if we hunt a quail either we can make it into a curry form uh, a tandoor form or like a barbecue but since i have lot many barbecue meats in the restaurant already so i decided to do a fried way 
so the fried with the butter the quill is also known as a butter in punjabi so the quill become very crispy once it is a very crispy you serve some fried and uh, pickled onion along with it with some curry sauce that makes you very it's it's a, it's give you a crunchiness like a chicken sure and the the flavor uh the meat become crisp because the skin become it comes along with the skin so if you do a fry the skin become crispy out of it and it's way too tasty than a than a barbecue style that's sure. that's my version and then and then the rabbit and the rabbit we do it uh, we we cooked along with the onions and tomatoes it's like a curry it's a, like a semi dry curry i see yeah uh, and only we only use the rabbit legs because it's more juicy or more tender so do you just buy the legs and we just buy the legs yes that makes sense yeah and uh what are uh, some of the more popular dishes so the most popular dishes are lamb sheep kebab which goes along with the uh, uh what do you call pickled onions and curry sauce we use um a portion of a fat and meat together to make it more softer and juicier then we have quail which is more popular then we have red snapper we have shrimps which i served you u5 size a three big size uh, tandoori prawns then we have a uh, cooked pulao which is a big size biryani which i have not served you on the table because it's way too bigger in the size so i don't want to fill you with uh, only biryani thank you then we have dahi balla samosas pakoda platters i think our whatever we picked up on the menu it's everything has their own story each dish has their own story that makes customer attracted to with the dishes and they end up with ordering so many things sometimes i have to pack for them but it's okay i mean it's okay they they love the food they enjoy it. they they want to know about the stories behind the food and that makes our menu very special so uh maybe you could tell me a couple of stories of a couple okay. of the dishes okay so dahi balla so for example dahi balla or any chaat in the menu that is more that got very popular uh in india because of the woman who's expecting a baby like a pregnant woman mm -hmm. so during the pregnancy the hormones are changed and they want to eat something very spicy sour tangy sweet all together so this chart works very well in them and they give them that satisfaction so from that that uh, the community of that uh, expecting baby is the woman that becomes so popular worldwide and across the street in india so that is the one story for the any charts Okay, then uh, we have, and a uh, chaat is any kind of sort of snack, right? Yeah, it's kind of a snack. It's, it it usually served on the street. It is usually a uh, semi hot, hot like a samosa is also considered as a chaat. Samosas with three, four different types of chutney, including tadka chutney, mint chutney, or a tamarind chutney on top of it with some so sweet yogurt, some chaat masala. So chaat means tangy. So that's how the word describes the entire dish. Oh, I thought chaat meant to lick. It means tangy. Yeah, I mean chaat to lick, but that that gives you a tanginess in your uh, on your tongue. That's uh -huh. why it's known as a chaat. And so you want to keep eating it. Yeah, you start keeping eating it. Yes, that's true. And also great for drinking beer. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> but samosa is my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. But I interrupted you. You were going to tell me another story yeah. about it. So different... the next story is uh, like a sikh kebab. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, so if you consider so it's actually not from punjab if you say but it was influenced by the other state called lucknow so uh, lucknow, lucknow is near punjab right it's small no, not near punjab it's actually uh, on in the on 
you have to cross Delhi, then get into Uttar Pradesh, then you have a small state called Lucknow. Okay, so it's far yeah. from Punjab. Yeah, Never far mind. from Punjab, but it is very uh, popular for the royal families of Nawabs. So how how that all kebab thing started happening? So Nawabs are very popular uh, for throwing out the parties, attracting women, and all that. So when British came to India, so Nawabs are the only royal families who can entertain them, who can give them uh, those parties to, to start doing their trades between the cities and state to the countries. So they called all of their uh, empl uh, employees, like all their chefs, to cut down the spice level from the food so, so the British can start eating food in India. So all the women can enjoy the meats from India. So, they, so he, he told all the chefs to create such recipes, such meats, which is without the bone, which should not uh, get, uh, which can eaten by the fork and knife, and take out all the spices and put add more flavors. So that's how the kebab started to build up and get so much popular between the English community and the Nawab and the, during the Nawab families. So a, a Nawab is a type of Lucknowi nobility. Yes, Lucknowi no nobilities. Yes, you know it's true. funny because in English we use that term also we call them nabobs but uh, nabobs, i didn't realize that's where it came from it is yeah. a, a nobility from lucknow yeah, so that's true. i learned a new thing yeah and so kebabs were developed as a way to feed um non-indians from the west yeah. who go from, much from the west and they have taken since they started to cook everything in the tandoor and tandoor is a speciality of punjab already so we took all the recipes and started doing our own way of Punjab uh, kebab, Punjabi kebabs like chicken tikka, tandoori chicken, a lamb stick kebab, or a mutton baloti or mutton uh, boti kebab. So mutton boti is a chunks of uh, lamb meat which is marinated with yogurt and tandoori marination, put in a skewers and start cooking in tandoori. And a tandoor, our audience probably knows what a tandoor, but in yeah. case they don't, it's a top-loading oven, oven made out of clay. Yes. Right. And then it has to be seasoned with uh, with, with jaggery spinach and everything. So once it is seasoned nicely, mm -hmm. so the the walls become more more stronger. So when you do a, a bread and that gets stick on the wall, and it's right. easy to remove once the bread is uh, cooked with the pluckers, and also the kebabs are cooked on the charcoal flavor, so it gives you a more better taste. And so you have to put the the meat on a long skewer. Yes, long skewers. Or a sword. Yeah. Want, and yeah. Uh, cook it that way. That is that is the best way to cook kebabs, I believe. So open barbecue and inside in the club, and both are the different stories. So and open barbecue is more, I believe, from other angle, it become more drier. You need to keep adding butter. But inside in the clay oven, everything keeps intact inside. The juices are intact in the kebab itself. And it's a very hot oven, right? So it cooks fast. Yeah, very hot oven. But depending on what kind of things are you cooking. For example, if you're doing a lamb or a meat kebab, the temperature has to low down. When you're doing a, a crispy kulcha, the temperature has to low down. When you want to cook a roti or a naan, the temperature is a little higher. So the chef who works for a, on a tandoor, he knows what kind of temperature he wants for what kind of food. And do you have multiple tandoors at Gulabo? So I have right now mantandoor and two char charcoal grills for the kebabs. Mm -hmm. And then we have a set of range and candy stove. Because since uh, it's not many covers, it's like 170 covers. We do three sittings. And now we started doing lunch as well. So I believe 
one tandoor is enough for me. Maybe if we are doing wonders in coming days, I can add one more. And did you, how do you get a tandoor in New York? Do you have to make your own or is there a manufacturer? Uh, there, so first of all, the there is a law in uh, New York City. We cannot use a charcoal oven. Right. So ovens are usually, it's electric here. On the base, you have a gas, the way you have it on the range. And that makes the tandoor uh, more heat. And you, it's easy to control. But back in India, the charcoal ones are like, you need to add a charcoal and start burning the charcoal every right. day in the morning. So, and you need to keep adding, uh, what do you call, the the charcoals every time, every hour to make the temperature sustain. But I think the gas ovens are much more easier to control. Yeah, that makes so sense. it is. But uh, yes, the question is, it is not available. It's actually available in, uh, according, uh, it's available in Jersey City uh, with some of the vendors, but it is as per the law and protocol of New York State. Right. Yeah. So, so the one I got it, I got it from London. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. They probably have a lot of good tandoor manufacturers in London. Yes, that's that's right. Yeah, there are so many Indians. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about how you ended up coming to the United States. Okay, so I was working with Taj Hotels and Chef Sujan's brother, who who's actually taking care of the Rue restaurant in San, San California, San Francisco. So he and I worked back in days around 2014. At we were there at Shushap Life program. So we were, as a trainee, we were training under one of the most uh, popular chefs, Chef Sondarajan. He actually passed away last year. So uh, we were getting trained under him and that's how I and Sujan started to knowing each other. So when Sujan, Chef and Poojan came to America uh, and started doing Roo, so he recommended me to call Chef Param so maybe he can help us to create more better recipes. So that's how I end up at uh, Barbar at 2018. I see. And, and Sujan is a chef at Barbar. Sujan, he was a chef at Barbar. Right. And Pujan used to take care of Rue, San Francisco. I see. And so through connections, you ended up yeah. in New York. How mm -hmm. do you like it? New York is a very beautiful place. I think, I think you, New York has given me a lot of opportunities to learn from a success, from a learning to aspects of making new concepts and restaurants. And I think the best part of working in New York City is New York will give you an opportunity uh, to showcase yourself, to showcase your culture. And the best part is you have a lot of different people from different countries and they all expect your food. They, they take it. They take it as a, as a positive way, what you're serving, what's your family recipes, and they understand things. So I think, I think in this city, this country, people are more educated on the culinary field. They can teach you if you don't know something. Like you, okay, you know much better about the Indian cuisine. You know about the tandoor, you know about the kebabs. That's all. And that is the best part which makes me motivated. Well, that's that's great. And, and Indian cuisine for years, I've been in my job for a long time and everybody has been waiting for Indian cuisine to explode in the United States, just like... Yeah. It's all over the United Kingdom yeah. and it's not as widespread in the United States. But over the past couple of years, I think we've seen it's so many. There. It's getting there, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there are so many great Indian restaurants that have opened just in New York and elsewhere in the country. There are also. Elsewhere in the country, we still need to do it more. But uh, there are small restaurants. But the only thing is uh, when it comes to a quality food, when it comes to a cuisine and the concept, uh, they're unable to reach that level. 
so i think at the same time that also depends on the culture what culture and where you put up your restaurant and what kind of people what kind of target audience you're doing it so i think the client will makes you more better i think they can they are the only one who review us so that's how the restaurant become popular yeah and and you have to you have to meet the expectations of your customers and if they have high expectations you will produce good food and And now in i think after opening a lot of restaurants in america and new york city and you have a lot of competition i think now that is a time where people come and sit in the table and they have a higher expectations yes and so that gives you the challenge of meeting those expectations yes like people often wonder why new york has such good pizza and they say, and bagels, and they say things that don't make any sense, like it's the water. Yes. So, so the water is not that different in New York than any place else. Yes. Yes. But New Yorkers expect delicious pizza and bagels, yes. and you will go out of business if you do not have delicious pizza and bagels. That's Similar, Similarly, in Southern California, if you don't have delicious Mexican food, then yes. you can't stay open. Yeah. But in New York, you can do better with mediocre Mexican food because we don't know it as well. Yeah. And so, and seafood tastes better in Boston than in New York, even though it's the same seafood. Yeah. But it's a little bit fresher in Boston because they demand it. Yeah, they demand. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think it's as as for the demand, people can work on their menus and it changes, give you that reference of your food and the cuisines. Right. Yeah. And so uh, what are your plans for Gulabo in the future? It's only been open three and a half months. So. Yeah, so the, the very first plans uh, is to get a Michelin star. Okay, at least we should be in a Michelin guide in coming months. Then we can apply for a one Michelin. At least we should work really hard to get one Michelin. And coming years, I think we should open more Gulabos. Since we have now other restaurants in Chicago, LA and California, I think these are the three states which picked up by the company. So to pick up, to make more restaurants and I think Gulabo will be there soon. So it will be a, a chain restaurant. It will be a chain Gulabo. restaurant, yes. Well, that that's exciting. Yeah. So that we can have more delicious Punjabi food yes, all across the country. All across the country, yes, that is for sure. Great. Well, thank you so much, Paramjit Bombra, for taking thank you, the sir. time. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. This is my very first podcast in my life. Well, and I'm very happy. (laughs) Then I am happy too.